Welcome back to The Loophole. Today, we're discussing the concept of reasonable doubt. A lot of listeners have asked about this concept because it's something that can seem very vague and somewhat subjective. Uh, I would say that it's difficult for even the most experienced attorneys to try to define because it's not something that you can quantify. That's one of the reasons that there are normally multiple jurors in a criminal defense trial, 12 to be exact. Now, there's a difference between what type of trial a criminal defendant might choose to have. So one defendant may choose to have 12 people hear their case and then have two alternates for a jury trial. Another thing that jur- that a criminal defendant may choose to do is waive jury and opt for a bench trial where only the judge will hear the case. Uh, sometimes criminal defendants will choose to do that in situations where it's a complicated legal issue or where the facts of the case are somewhat egregious to where they might be concerned about getting a fair trial with 12 people. And so in a criminal case, whether it's a judge or whether it's a jury, they must, whoever's deciding must determine whether or not the evidence that's presented in a criminal case, it's going to be by the state or the federal government. In those cases, uh, they have, whoever's deciding the case has to figure out if the prosecution has proved their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Beyond a reasonable doubt is a legal standard that comes into play only on criminal trials, not on civil trials. So in civil cases, it's a much different threshold and it's actually lower because they're not deciding guilt, um, they're deciding, deciding more so liability. In civil cases, the standard is going to be based on a preponderance of evidence meaning is it more likely than not something occurred. So the example that we'll often give to clients whenever they're coming in and trying to understand what they've been charged with is the O.J. Simpson trial. O.J. Simpson had a criminal trial and he had a civil trial. O.J. Simpson was found not guilty in the criminal trial, so That means that the jurors could not find him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt for each of the elements that were charged for each offense. But in the civil trial, he was found liable. So they found him liable by a preponderance of the evidence. That's an important standard to try to understand whenever it comes to civil cases versus criminal cases. Going back to defining reasonable doubt, normally if you were a juror called to be on the jury in a criminal trial, the judge would read you an instruction called a jury instruction, and that would go to the burden of proof that the state is required to prove for each element of the charged offense. So, for example, Any criminal offense is going to have a number of elements associated with it. You have to find as a juror that the defendant is guilty of each element of that defense. So, for example, 
each criminal offense is going to have mens rea and actus rea. You're going to have a mental state and you're going to have an the person has to have intentionally in one way or another committed the act. And so you need to find that there was intent and then that they also committed the act. You have to be able to find that each element is satisfied based on the evidence that the state presents beyond a reasonable doubt. So one of the instructions in Missouri indicates that proof beyond a reasonable doubt is proof that leaves you firmly convinced of the defendant's guilt. The law does not require proof that overcomes every possible doubt. If after your consideration of all of the evidence, you are firmly convinced that the defendant is guilty of the events charged, you will find him guilty. If you are not so convinced, you must give him the benefit of the doubt and find him not guilty. It's also important to remember that whenever you're coming into a criminal case and it's being heard, whether by a jury or a judge, the presumption is always that the person is innocent. It starts with a presumption of innocence, and then the state has the burden to then prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is guilty. This is a high burden, and it exists to try to protect the rights of those that are accused of committing a crime and to give them a fair and impartial trial. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt does not have to be conclusive and it does not have to exclude every hypothesis of innocence. Testimony of a single witness has been held to be sufficient to meet this standard in Missouri. Beyond a reasonable doubt is not absolute certainty. It's not beyond all possible doubt. It's after considering all of the evidence, there's no room for any rational doubt. So doubt shouldn't just be based on speculation or, again, a number of hypotheses. It can arise after careful analyzation of the evidence, witness testimony, and any inconsistencies or gaps. And then after considering all of the evidence, only then can a decision be made about whether or not the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And as previously stated, a lot of this goes to protect the criminal defendant because they do have under our Constitution a presumption of innocence. And so it has to uphold this principle that everyone is innocent until they are proven guilty. Wampler and Passanisi proudly supports Big Brothers Big Sisters of the Ozarks, devoted to creating positive one-to-one mentoring relationships that promote mental health and well-being of youth across the Ozarks. Learn more by visiting bigbro.com. The goal is to prevent innocent people from being wrongly convicted. It also is to aid in fairness and accuracy. So to prevent convictions based on weak evidence or bias. And finally, it's also to keep the balance of power between the prosecution and the rights of the defendant. So sometimes reasonable doubt can occur, which would be different than an affirmative defense, which we've talked about on a previous episode. 
as far as what defenses could be in criminal cases. So whenever you're thinking about reasonable doubt, this is a way that someone could be found not guilty, but it's not necessarily something that the defendant would raise as part of the evidence as a defense. So, for example, reasonable doubt could arise whenever the defendant has an alibi and there's a witness that can say that they were not at a specific place at the time that a crime occurred. And the state would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant was present and did commit the crime. There's also contradictions and evidence. This is something that you will see a lot in sexual assault cases where one statement is given and then the statements start to vary. And that can lead to this finding of reasonable doubt as to whether or not this occurred or whether or not this person is actually guilty. Then you look at motive. There's no motive as to what the defendant would gain from committing the crime. This also goes to means and opportunity. Was the defendant able to commit the crime? Did they have an opportunity to commit the crime? Another consideration is the chain of custody for evidence. So if there's something missing in what's called the chain of custody, meaning that let's say that law enforcement collects someone's blood sample well, there should be a log telling you every single place that that blood sample was taken and how it was processed. If that doesn't occur, then that could raise some doubts as to whether or not the chain of custody was followed to lead to a conviction of a defendant. In a criminal trial, there's normally lots of information and evidence that's going to be presented, whether that's physical evidence such as photographs or weapons or things like that, or witness testimony that can come from the complaining witness, that can come from law enforcement, that can come from lab technicians. There's an array of people that may end up testifying and so evidence can come in all different forms and that's something that we might talk about in a later podcast is just the types of evidence that you see in a criminal case and how that evidence can sometimes be challenged. One of the most important things to remember is that reasonable doubt is not a technicality. It is not a loophole that can be used to try to acquit someone. It's something very serious that reflects the importance of due process and protecting those who are innocent from being convicted of crimes that they did not commit. The concept of a loophole as some sort of defense strategy is something that we can talk about in another podcast because that's what our podcast is obviously named after. Reasonable doubt is ultimately going to be the finder of facts decision. Whether that is the jury or whether that is a judge, it's going to be up to that person to try to decide. And so if the defendant waives jury, well, then it's the judge's responsibility to be acting as 12. And that's something that you'll hear us talk about. And I think that's something that's really important to understand uh, just how powerful that is and just how much power that gives to the judge not that that's a bad thing, but it's important to always remember that if you are waiving jury, then that judge is going to be trusted to consider the case as if they were sitting 
for 12 people. And ultimately, it's up to that person or the jury to determine whether or not the prosecution has met their burden of proof to allow the defendant to be found guilty of each element of every charge that the defendant's charged with beyond a reasonable doubt. And in criminal cases, if it's a jury, then all 12 jurors must agree to find the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I hope we've clarified some of the misconceptions that surround reasonable doubt today. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to exploring more in the realm of criminal defense next time. Thank you for joining this episode of The Loophole. Join us next time as we explore current legal issues and cases and discuss what goes on behind the scenes. We encourage listeners to visit Entrapped.com, where you'll find our library of blogs on criminal defense along with episodes of The Loophole.